I kind of looked 10 years, 20 years down the future, and I'm like, well, to be a CEO of a software company, I'm not 100% sure that's what I want to do. And so I, uh, I decided to quit my job and I bought a truck and with a topper and I drove into the mountains of Colorado and I lived out of my truck for like three months. And uh, when I did that, I happened to go work for a coffee shop and I thought, hey, this is an interesting coffee shop. I actually really like coffee. Maybe I could do this. So I ended up managing that coffee shop and then buying it. And uh, I actually, yeah, launched the second location in that same town. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Zach here. Quick question before we dive into today's chat. So are you ever scrolling on Instagram and you see these like ridiculously beautiful Airbnbs that look like they're fresh out of a dwell or restoration of hardware magazine? And have you ever wondered to yourself, like, how the heck are these hosts able to afford to furnish their spaces so elegantly? Well, I wondered this too, until I found out that there's actually a secret that many of the best Airbnb hosts know that enable them to buy things like West Elm media consoles, crate and barrel couches, and parachute sheets at prices that you just really can't get anywhere else. And that secret? Well, it's Minoan, a completely free platform to purchase everything that you need for your short-term rental. If you have more than one short-term rental, chances are that you use some sort of system for your property management, right? Whether it's like a guestie or an uplisting. Well, Minoan is the system that hosts use for furnishing and refreshing their homes. Minoan provides hosts with a one-stop shop to get hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands and a system where you can manage all of the ordering, all of the tracking, all of the returns, et cetera, in one place, which obviously just saves you a lot of time and money. Oh, and the best part, again, is that Minoan is totally free. Like, no membership fees, no annual dues, nada. Like, it's almost too good to be true, except for the fact that, well, it is true. <laughs> and if you thought Minoan couldn't get any better, well, that's actually where you would be wrong. So I want you to stay tuned for more info in just about 15 minutes from now that'll make you want to sign up for Minoan the minute this episode is over. All right, so stay tuned in just a few minutes and hear a little bit more about why you want to sign up for your free, totally free Minoan account the minute this podcast is over. In just a moment, you'll meet Jacob Mueller, co-founder and CEO of Renjoy, a next-generation short-term rental management firm based in Colorado Springs. Growing up, Jacob never guessed he'd be an entrepreneur. He studied economics in college and thought he'd go into policy. But during his senior year, Jacob had the opportunity to work on a school project as part of his thesis that revolved around launching a business in rural Michigan. And while he couldn't have known it at the time, this project would inspire him to leave his dreams of working in Washington, D.C. to own and operate his own businesses. After graduating, Jacob wound up getting really into coffee. He ended up buying a local coffee shop that he managed and then expanding that in the Colorado mountains. But after a couple of years of working in the restaurant business, Jacob desired a pivot. And so he began binging episodes of Bigger Pockets and learned as much as he could about real estate. 
Tune in to hear the exciting story of how Jacob wound up going all in on real estate, as he believes it's one of the best ways to help people achieve financial freedom, and how this mission of his led him and two of his friends to start Renjoy and scale it to over 150 properties under management in just a couple of years. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Jacob. All right, Jacob, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? Doing great, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, of course, man. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So we we connected on on X. I'm still used. To, it's still taking me a while to get used to saying on X, but I feel like it's it's been enough time where I can't just say Twitter anymore. You know, I, I got to say X. So we connected on X, and uh, I've been following you for for a bit now, and have been uh, just really sort of like moved by the content that you've been putting out. Um, and then I, of course, kind of stalked you a little bit, learned a little bit about Renjoy. And I'm just excited to hear hear your story and hear the story about the really cool company that, that you're building. So you're the co-founder and CEO of, of Renjoy, but you actually started, or I don't know if you started your entrepreneurial journey, but previous to, to Renjoy, you were you were owning, you owned and operated a, a coffee shop, if if my research serves me correctly. So take us back to to that story. How did how did that come to be? And then what were the series of events that led you to to leave that gig to start a short term rental management company? Yeah, yeah, it's been a pretty unusual path for me. And in fact, it actually began a little bit earlier than that. It began all the way back in college when I took a class on entrepreneurship wasn't intending to be an entrepreneur, never desired to be an entrepreneur. Um, I was actually an econ major. I thought I was going to do something, um, you know, in government, like political science kind of thing. Okay. And uh, I took that class as an elective. It sounded like fun. And through that class, I ended up building this project as part of our semester course. And okay. it was to come up with a business idea that could be run in rural Michigan, but could actually, you know, function function as a company. This is back in 2000. Oh my gosh, 11, okay. 12. I don't know how long ago this was. And uh, by doing that project, I realized I did it with a partner and we're like, hey, we could actually launch this business. Like this isn't even a project. We could like actually do this. And so we decided to give it a try. And uh, that's how it started. That's how kind of my, my path changed directions for the rest of my life as a result of that. And sorry, what was so, that? Was that What was that business? Was that business a coffee yeah. shop or was it something else? No, okay. no, no. No, it was a digital marketing agency. Okay. We, um, we did a lot of stuff with like, uh, if you remember when Apple eBooks came out, they had these interactive eBooks. They were almost like app functionality, but in a book. Yeah. And we thought that was going to be super cool. So we specifically made those for secondary um, education, higher education. So like you would have, you know how you get your flip book in the mail when yeah. you're like applying to all the colleges or whatever, and you get a bunch of flyers. Well, we would actually turn those into digital flyers, make them interactive, make them personalized. You could walk around the, the campus and like see, you know, all these like 3D things. So anyway, that was that was the gist. Wow, very very cool. I I actually uh, uh my my last decade I've spent working in in growth marketing within the context of a higher ed marketing agency. So cool. uh, that's what I did before this, which is so that that's funny. Um, I'm surprised our paths did not cross. But so okay, so that that business gets started, and then and then at what point in time do you decide to start a coffee shop? Yeah, yeah. So there's like I have to fast forward real quick. So we ended up selling that business. We didn't make very much money, but uh, we sold the business uh, mostly just the contacts. I moved back to Colorado, went to work for a software company. I did product marketing for them. I did that for a few years. I had the opportunity to go work for Salesforce okay. in San Francisco. And I was really contemplating a career in software at that point. Yeah. And uh, I looked down that path. I kind of looked 10 years, 20 years down the future. And I'm like, well, to be a CEO of a software company, I'm not 100% sure that's what I want to do. 
And so I, uh, I decided to quit my job and I bought a truck and with a topper and I drove into the mountains of Colorado and I lived out of my truck for like three months. And, uh, when I did that, I happened to go work for a coffee shop and I thought, Hey, this is an interesting coffee shop. I actually really like coffee. Maybe I could do this. So I ended up managing that coffee shop and then buying it. Wow. And, uh, I actually, yeah, launched the second location in that same town. Oh, dude, that's amazing. I feel like that's like the quintessential, like Colorado story of like, you know, uh, I, I don't know, like the stereotypes anywhere about like, you know, all you hipsters love your coffee. Everyone wants to go work in like a coffee shop. And like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you're, you end up spending like seven bucks for like a, you know, like a, a, a house cup of coffee. But it's OK because it's these beans that are single origin that you've never seen before right. in like this particular area of the country. And anyways, it, it the number of people, the number of entrepreneurs actually that I know that have either went, they started a company, they sold the company and then they got into coffee and or they're there and they started in coffee or there's some overlap with coffee uh, 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 with with just about everyone that I know, uh, which is which is hilarious. Right. And and you know, what's really funny about about it is like what 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 gives entrepreneurs, especially like our, you know, roughly our age, like the audacity to think like you could do coffee better than coffee has already been done. You know, <laughs> I don't know what that says about no, us. I do, I, yeah, that's funny. It's funny. You're right. It is definitely a, a thing that we do, our generation. I uh, I never thought I was going to do coffee better. I never thought I was going to like blow up this can. I just loved living in the mountains of Colorado. Yeah. And uh, it was just the way that I could do it. And uh, I had no desire to like build this massive chain, but I love coffee and I still do. I still roast at home. Wow. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been nerding out at coffee for, for a while now. What's the la- last coffee question? And then we'll get on to the meat of the conversation. But uh, what's your, what's your like go to uh, uh, method for prepping coffee? Are you like an AeroPress guy? Oh, Are you like, uh, do you, do you, do you do you do you do like espresso like what like what kind of coffee person are you dude i'll do it all i uh <laughs> they're all different it's shocking you yeah. can you can you know brew the same coffee bean each different method and they all taste completely different it's yeah. it's wild so when i'm camping i do mocha pots a lot yeah um when i'm at home i'll do aero press chemex french press you do it all you know pour it over and then just drip like a like a like a just a Mr. Coffee. Yeah. So we do it all. Okay, dude. Well, hey, I, I love it, man. Um, well, where does Renjoy's story begin then? So so you, yeah. you open up a second coffee shop location. What was the what was the name of the coffee shop? So we had two. One was okay. called the Midland Stop and it was called the Midland Station. Okay. And the reason for those names is there used to be a railroad that ran from Colorado Springs up through the mountains to Buena Vista and then even passed up to Leadville. Wow. And it was called the Midland. And uh you can see the, I mean, as you drive the roads and you go over the Colorado mountain passes, you can actually see the, uh, the old railroad grade. That was the Midland. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So that was named after those two things. The other was the Midland station. Um, and actually from coffee, I ended up moving back to Colorado Springs. Okay. Uh, I realized I didn't want to do coffee the rest of my life. Like I wasn't uh, satisfied as many entrepreneurs kind of realize, Hey, I'm not satisfied. Just having a couple of like cafes and doing this thing. I want to do more. Yeah. So I came back to the Springs, the city. And uh, went into real estate, and that kind of is where it began. Not short-term rental specifically, but real estate. Okay. And was the yeah. was the idea right? Hey, like, did you you know read a couple books, listen to a couple podcasts, and be like, hey, like this is like a path towards you know financial independence, and I want to just go and see if I can figure this out. Was, was that sort of like what initially yeah. drew you to it? Okay. 
Absolutely. I started listening to like the bigger pockets podcast back mm. when Brandon Turner was still doing that. Brandon Turner and uh Josh, what was his name? The the founder of Bigger Pockets. I can remember yeah. Josh, I think. I, anyway, yeah. I listened to a lot of their podcasts and read a lot of books and I was like, you know what, I can do this and uh decided to pursue it. Wow. So okay, so you start you start in and what what sort of like real estate were you acquiring? Like single family homes? Was was that sort of the method? Condos, mm-hmm. duplexes, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got licensed. I okay. went to work for a commercial broker, quickly realized I did not want to do that. I did a lot of cold calling. Something I actually really encourage people to do at some point in their careers is to do cold calling. Yeah. Um, it is it is exceptionally good at teaching you a lot about how to communicate with people hmm. and persuade them to give you give them your time. Hmm. Um, and there's nothing like it. I just don't think you can replace it with anything. <laughs> um, so always recommend cold calling, but I, I wasn't for me. So I went into residential investment real estate for okay. a firm out of Denver. Maybe that's how you got that Denver reference called Atlas real estate. They're really big now. I mean, they manage probably 12,000 plus um, units on long-term rentals and they, they're kind of like a apartment and single family home property management and brokerage company. Okay. They have a joint venture with like a, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund and they do a lot of really cool stuff. And I got to be a part of Atlas's journey through that. And wow. while I was going through that, I was listening to these podcasts. I was learning a lot. I was being a real estate agent, was learning how to negotiate. I had an incredible boss. Mike Hills was his name. And he taught me a lot about flipping, about burrs, about, hey, how to find and, and get value out of real estate. And so that's, that's kind of where it all began. Wow. All right, friends, it's me again with just a wee bit more info about our friends at Minoan. So in addition to providing hosts with a completely free system to help streamline furnishing and granting hosts access to hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands, Minoan also enables hosts to make their homes shoppable in a way that's subtle and also sophisticated. So here's an example of how this works. Let's say a guest sends you a message remarking how well they slept during their stay. And they ask, you know, what kind of mattress was in the master bedroom because when they get home they want to buy a new mattress because again they had just such a beautiful night's sleep right well as it turns out it was a purple mattress that you had ordered via Minoan when you were furnishing your home well if that guest does go and buy a purple mattress Minoan thinks that you should get a cut of that sale right after all it was a great night's sleep on your mattress that convinced this guest that they had to have the same one so Minoan's technology enables hosts to earn commissions on everything from mattresses to coffee makers and soaps to sofas you can save on high-end furnishings up front and then if you want you have the ability to earn cash money whenever your guests buy the products that they fell in love with while they were staying at your vacation rental. So again, you don't have to do this, right? You can just use Minoan to buy these incredible, glorious furnishings for your home. You don't also have to make your home shoppable, but if you want to do that, Minoan provides a really easy, simple way to do this that does not, you know, disturb guest experience. It's not like there's like price tags on everything, right? Like it's a very subtle, very sophisticated, kind of like one little QR code uh, that you can put anywhere in your in your home and folks can go in and, and explore the, um, the furnishings uh, around your space just by quickly scanning that that QR code you could throw it in your you know on your kitchen sink near your kitchen sink or you could put it you know near uh, near the guest bedroom whatever it might be right um so I want you to take a moment right after this conversation or you could pause the episode and do this right now and I want you to sign up for a free account at minoanexperience.com please 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 tell the folks there that Zach from behind the stays sent you their way just head on over to minoan 
That's M-I-N-O-A-N, experience.com. And again, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate you taking some time to check out Minoan and let me know what you think about their offerings. At what point in time do you do you think about short-term rentals as mm-hmm. as a specific asset class? Like like had you had you yeah. thought did you know people that had like Airbnbs? Was it was this like was this part of top of mind when you first got into it or or was this still sort of like a novel asset class? Oh yeah, I I didn't know anything about it. Nobody told me anything about it. I I mean honestly, it wasn't really talked about much in bigger pockets or in a lot of the things that I was learning about. Even yeah. even my boss Mike, who taught me a lot about real estate investing, didn't do Airbnbs at all. Yeah, it, and we kind of just happened into it because my wife and I we lived in Buena Vista, right? We had the cafes, we had the, her her clinic. She's a chiropractor, and um, we bought a condo up there. And when we moved back to the Springs, we're like, well, what are we going to do with this condo? We don't want to sell it. We don't want to rent it out. Yeah. We're like, oh, because we want to come back. Yeah, right? We want yeah, to come yeah. back to BB, enjoy the mountains. So we want to use it. It's like, oh, well, let's just put it on Airbnb. Let's see how that does. Um, so then we had a condo on Airbnb. Um, it did fine. Yeah. I guess I didn't really realize what I had. I mean, I, I was busy, right? Yeah. So like I wasn't really paying attention and I wasn't optimizing. I wasn't nerding out, you know, like yeah. a lot of people do with their first Airbnb. And um, I ended up um, buying another building here in Colorado Springs and I, had, I added a few more Airbnbs. But even at this point, to be honest, I wasn't, um, I wasn't really going deep, Zach. Like I still, at this point, I had three Airbnbs and I still wasn't really digging in until yeah. I met my co-founders, Luke and Michael. And they were actually clients of mine as a real estate agent. Like okay. I was helping them find property, add value to property. I was their realtor. I mean, to some degree. I mean, I was a little more sophisticated than most realtors because I have an investment background and I wanted to do it myself. And I only began to really understand the opportunity when I saw them hmm. operating Airbnbs. Hmm. Do you remember? So do you remember? Were, sorry. Do you remember what it was about how they were operating that like stood out to you? Just their numbers. I mean, we became friends. Right? Yeah. They were clients first, kind of friends, kind of clients. You know, there's kind of this weird mix in in, <laughs> in the real estate industry. And um, then they became friends, and they would tell me a lot about what they were doing and how much they were earning and how their properties were doing. I was like, Wow, you guys are doing this way better than I am and I'm leaving money on the table. Mm, yeah. And so just by them talking about what they were doing, that's how I learned. And then I, obviously I was helping them do these things. And so, um, I had a lot of access and understanding of, of what they were doing. I also realized I couldn't do what they were doing. This is actually key to why we formed Rendroid. I realized I was never going to build what they were building. One of these guys was an engineer for an oil and gas company. So he's like really savvy with building systems. And I was like, wow, I don't, I don't have time or desire to think through all my systems the way that you are. And then the other guy loves hospitality. I mean, he traveled over the world. Luke, he lived in Ireland for a year with his wife, um, just loves hospitality. And I was like, well, I don't really love hospitality that much. You know, like (laughs) I'm never going to do this as good as you guys. But then we realized, Hey, if we put all of our stuff together, wow, we could actually do something really special and unique. And so that's how Renjoy came to be originally. It was just going to be us managing our own portfolios. Yeah. You know, because at this point, each of us had half a dozen Airbnbs. Yeah. And so we were just going to combine them. We bought a building together. We bought a fiveplex together. We were running that. And like, well, let's just run this all together under one property management um, group rather than each of us having our own. And shortly thereafter, of course, people asked us yeah. to manage their property. That is, that's a wonderful story. And I just want to, you know, highlight a couple, double click, if you will, on, on a couple things you said there. One just around, 
finding partners uh, in general. I think that there's a lot of folks that like do the co-hosting thing. Like that's where, that's where they start, which is which is great. But then if you if you really want to do this, you know, full time, and especially if you don't want to take on all the burden of like trying to build a brand and trying to you know do every try, trying to be the best host that you could possibly be. True, true, finding somebody who will actually go into true business with you and not just a co, you know, hosting co-ownership sort of like relationship, not, not just an investor relationship. I think that's, that's fundamentally key, especially as like the industry becomes a little bit more professionalized. And I think that that's where, that's where we're headed. Mm -hmm. You're going to see more and more, uh, you know, management groups pop up. Right. And, and especially like kind of boutique, more bespoke groups pop up. And I think the ones that will win in the long run are the ones that have really diverse sets, uh, really diverse skill sets at the founding level, at the founder level, at the leadership level, et cetera. Because this, this, this business, this industry is, is ever changing. It is ever dynamic and you can't just love mm -hmm. hospitality, right? Otherwise you'll go, you'll go broke. You can't just love systems, right? Even though systems are really important. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be differentiated, right? Your experience for guests is not going to be, you know, differentiated uh, and you can't just love investing, right? Like you, you, you have to, you have mm -hmm. to find, you either have to love all three and do really well at all three and or you have to have people that you know love uh, mm -hmm. somebody who on your team who loves at least one of those things if you want to do this well uh, no that's that's exactly right zach i think you nailed it on the head i i i it's hard to communicate to others like when people ask us hey why is Rendroid different yeah you know i used to say oh well you know we're owners ourselves so like we're owners helping owners we understand the pain points on our house I'm like okay that's cool and that's true that's unique for a lot of pms but it's, that's not really what it is. It's yeah. actually, you know, our, our team, yeah. our, you know, our founding team. It's just like, this is so unusual, Yeah. not just in short-term rentals, but in business in general, yeah. very unusual to find partners who all complement each other and have similar goals in life, um, similar values. Like the fact that the three of us managed to like come together and build this thing is like really unusual and actually really special. Yeah. Um, hard, to, hard to put that on like a, uh, a sales pitch or a sales deck, <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah. I think. No, no, it, uh, I, I think you guys are onto something really unique. I, I do want to dive into it, Renjoy a little bit more and just, and just understand sort of like the mechanics of it. So you guys from what I, what I could find on the internet, which isn't always reliable. So please correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys, uh, scaled like pretty quickly. Like, I think you have close to 150 or 150 units mm -hmm. under management right now. And you guys have mm -hmm. only been around for what, a, a year, a couple years or what, like when was Renjoy actually founded? Yeah, so the entity was incorporated in October of 21. Okay. Right? Yeah, October of 21, and we took our first client January of 22. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, we're about we're about 18 20 months old. Yeah, 20 months old. Um and yeah, we have 150. We have about 135 active, another 15 in the pipeline and we're in a uh, second state now. Wow. Um so, yep. So, so we I are mean, we are growing fast. That's a, yeah, that's Um and I can't I can't really take credit for that. Uh, I I think she something you said earlier, Zach, which I think is prescient, and that's the short-term rental property management or short-term rentals in general are becoming professionalized. Yeah. People are beginning to figure figure out how how to systematically provide, you know, disaggregated hospitality, right? Hotel aggregated hospitality. Everybody's in one place. Yep. Uh, short-term rentals disaggregated, right? Everybody's in like a bunch of different places. Yeah. And with technology and all these new things that are coming together and then know-how and learning from people like Vacasa or other, others learning how not to do things. Um, 
you know, it, the industry is growing and professionalizing. Now, yeah. there's still quite a few people who say, hey, short-term rental management can't scale. Yeah. Um, and I think they have a lot of really good points. Um, but I do think there is potential for it. And so anyway, all that to say, we grew fast because there's a need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's as simple as, as it is. Yeah, well, I do want to press into this too further. You, you, you talked about Vacasa, right? And that being, you know, an example of, it, I feel like it's the easy one to pick on because a lot of people have strong opinions sure. of, of, of Vacasa. And they're just, quite frankly, they're just more like well-known as like a national brand, right? But to your point about scale, I, I've talked about scaling on this podcast with with a few folks and and I don't I don't really feel like anyone really really understands or has really been able to articulate why it's so hard to scale uh, nationally as a as a you know vacation rental management company and I guess I guess it's markets are really different unit types are different but but at the same time like you've, you you have hotels which again totally different but that that have figured this out what why do you think it it is so hard to have like a nationally recognized management company that doesn't have like an average of 4.1 stars. <laughs> like, like what, why is that? Yeah. Well, because it's not necessarily in the management's best interest to do that. Right. So the management doesn't necessarily make the most amount of profit when they do the best job for the owner. Yeah. Right. So fundamental, fundamental to real estate property management, which is true of long-term rentals and short-term rentals, Okay, this isn't this isn't unique to short-term rentals. Yeah. <clears throat> Property managers and owners often have conflicting interests. Hmm. Like just just across the board. I mean, that's just part of the business and why it's so unusual of a business. It's like why why real estate you know, it's why you have to be licensed to be a property manager because I actually as a licensed property manager have a fiduciary responsibility to my client. Yeah. And without that fiduciary responsibility, the property manager is going to take advantage of a client all the time, yeah. which happens in short-term rentals because it's kind of a gray area and lots yeah. of short-term rental managers are not licensed. Yeah. But the reason they have that fiduciary responsibility is because interests often aren't aligned yeah. between owners and managers. So something that actually was really, really important when we were founding Renjoy is we, we were not in this business to make as much money as possible hmm. for ourselves. Yeah. Um, because if we did, I think we would go after a different model, kind of like Evolve. If yeah. you're familiar with Evolve's model, they just do like marketing and guest communications. It's it's the thing that I don't have to have boots on the ground, right? Which yeah. is the hardest part. Yeah. I just do all the other things and you figure out boots on the ground stuff. Yep. That's a great model. It's a great model to make a lot of money. Um, I don't think that's what people need. I think there's a huge gap in full service, but um, where's it going with that? It's uh, around the, the interests between managers and, and owners. Yeah. So anyway, we founded our company to help people kind of achieve financial independence. So our objectives as a company are to distribute cash back to owners. Hmm. Like that's our number one objective. And all of our organizational KPIs or key performance indicators fall under how are we serving that overarching objective? How do we put money back in our clients' pockets? Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of property managers have that goal. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? 
And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. So when you talk about, uh, you know, incentives and or, and or goals not, not being aligned between a property manager and, and an owner, example, what, like property manager yeah. realizes like, hey, the experience that we're delivering to guests is underwhelming. We should be giving every guest a bottle of wine. They tack that on to the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the owner, right? The owner pays for that. Are, are, we, are we talking about those, those mm-hmm. sorts of like, just like a disconnect between understanding that, hey, by having me manage your property, like you are agreeing to enter the hospitality business. Like this is not just the real estate investment business anymore. Like are, are those, when, when you talk about misalignment, is that what you're talking about? Or are, are there other more, are there, are, are there bigger things that you think are are misaligned? No, that's definitely that's definitely one of them. Um, I think you know everybody comes to this situation where they want different things. That's yeah. a really important starting point. Yeah. Uh, some people are clients who own property. They just want people to have a fantastic time at their property, and making profit is secondary. Yeah. Or they have a vacation home that they love. And if they get to rent it out, sometimes that's fine. Yeah. So their goal is preserving their property. Yep. Owners have very different objectives. Yeah. And so it's really important to understand that our goals and our objectives are actually aligned as the property manager and with our clients. Yeah. So you know what's crazy, Zach? For even as fast as we've grown, yeah. we've turned down just as many people as we've accepted hmm. under management. Hmm. So like we have lots of people who want us to manage their properties and we say no. Yeah. And the reason we say no is because of that misalignment on objectives. Yeah. You can't, you can't serve. So I'll give you another example too yeah, of like please. this, uh, this, uh, kind of, um, conflict property managers make more money on fees than they do by increasing the owner's, you know, net rental rate. Hmm. The reason for that is because property managers keep a hundred percent of any fees that they collect, whether from guests or owners. Whereas if they increase the net nightly rent, they only receive a percentage of it. Yeah, Typically, they receive yeah. a commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every hundred dollars they bring in in rent, they only get to keep twenty five. But if I raise my cleaning fee a hundred bucks, I get to keep a hundred bucks. Yeah. So it's four times as effective hmm. for the property manager to increase their revenue by just raising cleaning fees than it is for for them to do the hard work of actually marketing the listing. Yeah, interesting. So that's that's another example of that of that problem, which is why. If you talk to anybody who has Vacasa or has signed up with Vacasa recently, they have 30 fees. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's a problem? Like, do you, do you think the, the alternative is, hey, have property managers and owners work out some sort of structured commission base where, hey, once you surpass, you know, X dollars on average per night in this particular month, mm-hmm. that, you know, 20% that you might get now gets kicked up to 25% or 30% or whatnot. Like, are, are there incentive structures like that to, to boost, mm. uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the nightly rates or, or is that, yeah. is that rare today? That's an excellent question to be honest, Zach. Uh, we've looked at it. Yeah. The reason why we haven't pursued it. And I imagine why other people haven't pursued it is because it's an accounting nightmare. Yeah. It is yeah. so hard yeah. to do that from an accounting perspective. Cause one thing that we actually greatly underestimated when we founded Renjoy was the difficulty of, of financials in yeah. this business. <laughs> because 
we just didn't realize we were running PLs for 150 different businesses. You know, yeah. it's like it's 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 insanely complicated. And so trying to do some kind of commission structure like you're suggesting, I mean, it's just not worth it. I mean, yeah. the amount of accounting overhead to 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 do that properly and to do it correctly, yeah, would just wouldn't would negate any kind of benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that, that makes, that makes a ton of sense, especially, especially like uh, as you scale, right? Maybe, maybe you can do that for 10 properties or something like that. But when, when you're well over a hundred, but even, even, even for 10 properties, that would be a nightmare. Like that, it would just be, it would still, it would still be a headache. Yeah. It, it, it would be really, really hard when, to when, do that on a dollar amount. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Even, even if the percentage changed. Yeah. Uh, you could, because ideally, right? Like ideally, you'd want to find a way where you could align incent- incentives as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And again, even even though everyone's goal is different, right? I don't know that like I don't know that any owner would be upset, right? About about making more per night on their listing on their home when they weren't there, right? I, like I, I don't think that that would like bother anybody, <laughs> you know. Assuming assuming like the the asset in and it, in and of itself wasn't like being destroyed in the process or or whatever, right? Which sure. in theory it wouldn't be as as the nightly rate increases. But but it is it it'll be interesting to watch this and see how these models like evolve as as the industry does become more professionalized and quite frankly, just as like newer management companies like, like Renjoy come into the space and start to build your own, your own brand and your own, your own, like, uh, you know, um, re- reputation. And I think, I think that there's going to be this like next generation, if you will, of, of like property managers that are, that are like here and emerging and, and coming up quickly that don't have sort of a, a, a lot of like the, the history and, and like the legacy of some of the older ones and and maybe end up changing the industry's perspective on on these groups. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you'll also start seeing property managers who are more fo- and I may, I'm biased of course because this is what we do, yeah. but I think you're going to start seeing property managers who are mo- more focused on serving a certain segment of the short-term rental market. Yeah. Not based off of location, hmm. which I think historically has been true where you have like local regional managers, yeah. right? That's what a lot of people do. They're a vacation rental manager and they'll do everything on the spectrum of, hey, second homes that we rent out maybe once to full investment properties. They'll manage all of that yeah. in a location. Yeah. What we're doing is we're only managing you know, this half of that scale, but in any location. Yeah. And I think what you'll start to find is is property managers who focus on own like owner goals and that's their niche. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think by doing that, you're going to end up with uh, systems that make way more sense, yeah. right? Cause the way you operate, if it's an investment is very different than the way you operate. If it's somebody who wants five stars every single day and they want their guests to all, all be, you know, wowed in every, every possible way. There's yep. very different things. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. 
And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about like your goals and like what what you guys are trying to do with with Renjoy. So, do you guys have like like what what software are you using? like what what does your tech stack look like like how are you managing your your current you know 150 homes and then I think I saw on your on your X profile like you know you guys are 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 helping to scale pretty quickly like you you'd love to have like a thousand uh, STRs under management I don't know what what the timeline is there but like what when what what's working well uh, right now with with the business like what what beyond just owner and manager alignment which you guys are are really pressing into what are the other I guess competitive advantages that you think Renjoy has today and then how are you building for for scale yeah well that was a lot of questions Zach sorry like six <laughs> questions so I'll, I'll try to take them like one at a time uh first our goal is to help improve financial wellness in our in our country that mm. is our goal mm. we happen to do it through uh improving people's literacy and ability to an effective management of real estate within the niche of short-term rentals. So that's our vision. We want to help people achieve financial independence through the effective purchase and management of real estate, specifically through short-term rentals. That's our goal. Okay. So as part of that goal, we have two things. We want to have at least a thousand owners, not a thousand listings, a thousand owners who we're serving. So we don't want a big whale who's, you know, has, you know, 500 listings or whatever. We don't want to we don't, I mean, we are open to working with venture capital. Actually, we can talk about that if we want to go down that path. I think there's a huge opportunity there. We are open to doing joint ventures and venture capital ownership. However, that's only secondary to our goal of having a thousand owners because mm-hmm. we want to help mom and pops. We want to help our friends. We want to help our family members. We want to help, you know, everybody. In addition to that, so a thousand owners, we want to distribute $200 million to our owners. Um, so those are our two objectives. Yep. And the reason why we chose those two objectives is because we want to distribute money back. The whole point of financial independence is passive income, it's that yeah. cash flow. Yeah. So that's our that's why we exist, right? That's why we started this company. Okay, so that's our goal. Yep. Tech stack. Tech stack is extremely complicated. Um and is I think going to continue to be complicated. And we have a lot of thoughts around this on how to build intentionally with the future in mind, um, particularly around um, AI engines that will be coming. Mm. And so we're trying to be really intentional about how we, we collect and store data and how that data could potentially be used with an AI engine in the future. Yeah. Um, we honestly, our tech stack is a mess. I mean, we have a lot of automations. We have a lot of interaction between a lot of different tools, but um, it's, it's a never ending constant maze of of connections and things that are going yeah. so even though i think we're better than you know 99 of property managers out there we have a long way to go yeah um we are starting to shift more towards kind of a software development model of of i don't know if you're familiar with agile development yep. but yep. um where we basically are we're, we're like moving really quickly to develop systems and processes more like a tech company than than you know a normal business um i guess two main tools that you're Listeners probably want to know, we use Guesty as our okay. property management software. Um, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons to a lot of different tools. Um, we'll probably be with Guesty for a while. 
And yeah. when we picked our tech stack on the PMS side, we were basically saying, hey, this PMS is going to work for, for us from zero to 300. Yeah. Right. And so we actually kind of have planned stages of, of what we'll move to at certain time timeframes. Yeah. So we kind of plan out our tech stack as we grow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another major tool we use that will probably stay with us the entire time is Airtable. Mm. Um, so we use Airtable and Guesty are kind of our two primary tech tools that everything kind of flows into or through. Interesting. And what specifically are you guys using Airtable for? Um, we uh, just like everything. We use it for everything. Yeah. 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 I'm. Just, I was trying to think how to how to how to answer that question. Um, we have obviously all of our property data. So all the different things it's like, like the, your core serial da- numbers your, of your dishwashers, right? I mean, okay. do you, do you know what dishwashers in you know this property at this place um, <laughs> or this listing at this property when there's two of them? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we actually have like serial numbers for that. That's like a really granular detail. We so also keep track yeah. of. You have to in order to do trust accounting. Yeah. Are you familiar with trust accounting and how that works? Very loosely. Okay. No, but but t- tell us. So this also about goes it. back. Yeah, I'll talk about it really briefly and talk about why it matters in Airtable. Yeah. So trust accounting is. One of the reasons why you should always hire a licensed real estate property manager. Basically, we receive funds on behalf of our clients. Yep. That that money flows into a trust account that we control, but it's not our money. Yep. Right. So our business doesn't pay its bills from there. We don't pay any vendors from there. We don't pay anything out of there. Yep. The only that's the owner's money. Our owner's money sits in the trust account. Then we invoice that trust account for our commissions, for our fees, for whatever else that we're charging. And then that flows into our operating account. And then that operating account is how Renjoy runs its business. Beautiful. Okay? Yep. Trust accounting matters because we don't co-mingle funds. Now, trust accounting is complicated and very difficult and is one of the reasons why this business is very hard to scale. Um, and we're going to talk about that in Airtable. So in Airtable, we have to keep track of a property, yep. like the actual physical property. We have to keep track of any listings that are on that property because a property it could be a fourplex, let's yep. say. So it's got yep. four listings, right? So there's four different listings, one property. It can have an owner... And that owner could be an entity like ABC LLC, could be multiple entities, could be multiple people. It could be a combination of people and entities, the, the ownership. Yeah. Okay. That's different than the key contact. Okay. So the key contact is the one that we work with who makes decisions on the property and all of that. So we have these four modules that all interplay and interact with each other. But tell me, Zach. Where does the property management agreement get stored? Does it get stored under the ownership level, the listing level, the owner level, or the contact level? Where do you put the contract? I would I would imagine it differs it, it, depending on depending on the client. What if you only had two listings live and then two more came live six months later? I I don't know. Tell, on tell that us. fourplex. No, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. the reason I, I'm telling you this, Zach, is that we don't necessarily have like a, a definitive and clear answer on why it should be a certain way. But I'm illustrating how, how complicated, complicated yeah, this yeah, business yeah. is. Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And especially, especially yeah, just, at your scale. Like, and and, and yeah. you, guys, you, guys are just, you guys are just starting. Like, you, yeah. But, but you, know what, you know why I actually love the fact that you went into all that detail? Is like it really shows how, especially like getting, getting your systems right at the beginning, right? So that as you do scale, you know that the house is currently at least in order. Maybe you're going to make improvements to the house over time, and, and you should, but you know that that foundation is solid versus <laughs> we like scrappily putting stuff together. And then when you're at 150 units being like, oh, my gosh, do we put the contract under this person or that person? You know, who who's the point of contact? Like, where do we store point of contact? And how are they different than owner? Uh, I mean, you, you really do. I feel like this is a great example of 
why you re- in, in this particular context, you really want to do the work up front from the beginning to save yourself an incredible amount of headache later on. Because there's still going to be headache later on. Oh, totally. And so what you're what you're leading into, Zach, is I think the trap. Hmm. That I think is what killed Vacasa and a lot of these VC-backed things because they recognize that problem. Yeah. And so they say, okay, well, let's throw a bunch of capital at it so they can build it right from the beginning and then boom, explode, quickly grow. The reality is we didn't have these systems when we started. Yeah. We learned yeah. about this business as we went. Yeah. And I would add that the way that other people do things is pretty bad. Hmm. And so we have to create it. There is no industry best practice. Like you could, we, like we've talked to, you know, long-term property management companies that have been around for a very long time. Yeah. You know, people who use like uh, Aptio or um, uh, what's the big long-term property management software? I have no idea. Building, um, yeah. there's, there's like a bunch. Yeah. We, 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 we like are constantly demoing products, talking to people in this business. How can we do this better? And we constantly find out that nobody's doing this well enough. Hmm. And so we're, we're building this thing as we're flying. So even though, yes, you want to have your base in place, we're changing it constantly Yeah. because we realize, Hey, this worked for us when we had zero to hundred units. This is not going to work for us when we have hundred to 200. Yeah. So you, you, there's this dream, right. That I think every entrepreneur has when they start a business and be like, I'm going to build the perfect systems. It's all going to be automated. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be able to grow fast. And I just got to plug and play, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, it's just not the reality. It's just messy. You want to be thoughtful about your systems and your processes and your people, um, but it's going to be messy and you have to continuously build. It yeah. will never build and change. Like we didn't have Airtable originally. We had, we used monday.com and that was a mistake. Yeah. Because we didn't even understand what we needed fully. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would just add that it's like, Yes, build, be thoughtful and intentional and really work through these things. Build out your processes, visualize them on like Miro or some other visualization. But at the end of the day, like you got to have to just build it as you go and learn about the problems as you go. Do you, I think, I feel like this is a nice segue into like ideas that you have for other entrepreneurs to, to, to potentially build some of these solutions. Right. And I think what you, what you've just outlined is that in some respects, you are going to have to learn as your comp- as your as your business grows what you need and it'll probably be you know hodgepodge for for a while at least and that's not necessarily a bad mm-hmm. thing but right at some point the need for standardization comes in and the need for the need for some sort of solution uh, as you scale mm-hmm. that that is meaningful and that you can control the enterprise through right ne- needs needs to be there do you do you feel like the tech solutions in the space are are sufficient? Are are there are there big gaps that you see? Are there are there niches that you see that aren't that aren't being served? Mm, great question. I've got a buddy at uh, at Amazon. He works for he works on an AWS team. They do AI stuff. He's he leads a team of developers, and we're constantly asking him this question: Hey, come over here, come build some <laughs> software for us. Come here. I think there's a lot of opportunity. I'm not going to share a lot of those ideas uh, as far as like software solutions on here, Zach, because that might be something we will do. Okay. Um, th- I do have ideas. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely have ideas on how, how it can be done. Um, what I would encourage people who are really thinking through starting a property management company is start with the end in mind, right? Like I talked about our goal and our vision and like why we started our company and what we're trying to do. Yeah. And that's foundational, right? If you don't know why you're, but you're just like, I love Airbnbs and I want to manage them, yeah. right? If that's that, that you're going to be screwed yeah. because you have to really understand 
what your end goal is. If you're, if you say, Hey, I want to make as much money as possible doing this, then figure out what that optimal, how long, what your time period is. Like I said, I want to do this for three years and then I want to sell it. Yep. Okay. You want to sell a property management company in three years. You're going to build it very differently than we are right now. And so you, you may not want to use AirDNA and you may not want to use Guesty. Yeah. You want to be really tactical on what you're going to use to be attractive to yeah. somebody who's going to buy you. You're going to want to talk to a broker, yep. right? Like uh, C to G, Jacoby Olin. You're going to want to talk to a broker who does all these deals and he'll tell you exactly how to structure your business so that you can sell it. And even if you're not going to sell it, sometimes it's good to talk to those brokers because they'll they'll give you a really good idea of like, hey, here's a great way to build the framework of your business so that if you choose to sell, you can do it easily. Yeah. Um, so I'll always start with the end in mind. That's that's definitely the number one thing. Yeah. Um, and I think there's so start with the end in mind, and then also think about what kind of business you want. One of the reasons why the short-term rental property management business is kind of like the wild west. <clears throat> every manager does it very differently. Yeah. We have yet to find a property manager who does exactly what we do. Yeah. Right. Like literally, we haven't run into somebody who's the same as us yet yeah. in terms of the services offered and the way that we offer them. And how we go through that. There's not another one. Yeah. It's, it's very different. Whereas like long-term rentals, long-term property management, I mean, they're, they're, they operate almost all the same way yeah. fundamentally. Yeah. So, but, but again, it's, that, it's, uh, yeah, it's very different. Yeah. I mean, and that, but that also makes sense, right? Given what we were discussing earlier, where some people are viewing a short-term mm-hmm. rental as a way to generate some passive income. Some people are looking at it as mm-hmm. just a way to cover the cost because they love this lake house because, and their family goes there for three weeks every summer. And then other people are saying, no, 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 I'm, I want to build a hospitality company and that's what I'm doing with short-term rentals. Like, so, so because mm-hmm. you don't, you don't always get that variance, uh, in, in sort of like longer term rentals. Right. And I, and I think that that's why it is, that's why it's so messy. That's why it's so different. That's why there aren't these like clear, you know, standards. And that's why to your earlier point, like Renjoy is, is, you know, unique and, and not doing what anyone else is doing. I, and I know that you don't want to share like software ideas with us, which is, which is fine. Um, if you were talking to a young entrepreneur that wanted to do a property management company, like where, what, what mm-hmm. gaps do you see given kind of like where you guys are at right now oh, yeah. in the market and opportunities there? I think local full service property management companies that are really sharp and tight will dominate Mm. um, and will never be replaced. Mm. So if you really like a place and you want to become the number one short-term rental property manager in that area, I think it's very doable. I honestly think this industry needs a thousand operators like us. Yeah. Um, I, there's just, I mean, I don't know how many listings there are, 2 million, whatever. Um, And there are very few people doing it well like at scale, very few property managers doing it well at scale. Yeah. And so there's just a huge opportunity. There's a lot more money and investment and people who want to get into the game yeah. than there are operators who are doing a good job at a reasonable scale. Hmm. So I think there's actually a tremendous amount of opportunity for people to get into this business. Now that window of opportunity is narrow, yeah. right? I think it will go away here. I think somebody will crack the nut that Vacasa was trying to crack. Yeah. I think that that will happen. Yeah. Um, and so your window of opportunity is kind of narrow, but but I would say go for it. Yeah. Last uh, last question for you because you did uh, bring it up a little bit earlier. You you talked a little bit about VC and like whether or not you you all would take on VC at at Renjoy. What what are your thoughts as like more institutional capital does come into the the play the space? Like how how are you thinking through if and when that might be whether it's a partnership, whether it's a, a just flat out investment, like w- whether or not that that's a good business decision for 
and maybe it's not even just for Renjoy, but for for somebody who's like your size, right? And who who might be who might be mm. thinking through the need or the desire for something like like VC. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things around this actually. So first of all, uh, you know, institutional money is trying to get into the space yeah. actively. Yeah. It's it's trying. There are funds that are actively executing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them run into the reality uh, that property management is actually a very hard business. Hmm. Um, it's just really, really hard business. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. It's just a hard business. And a lot of these VCs that <clears throat> have this great idea of like, hey, look at all this cash flow we can make. It's going to be a great return, great investment. Here's all the fundamentals. Like, yeah, that's true. Uh, but you have to be able to operate. Yeah. And if you can't operate, you can't figure out how to operate as you go. Like that, that's not a good process yeah. because <laughs> you may get great returns year one, year two, but years three through seven, you're going to be, you're going to be dealing with destroyed properties yeah. and terrible stays and your revenue is going to plummet. And there's like a lot of issues around it. Yeah. So I think, I think VCs are looking for quality operators, people who've actually figured out boots on the ground stuff who are also capable of managing a large infusion of cash Yeah, because those two things are really hard to do. Yeah. There are lots of little mom and pop operators, vacation rental managers, short-term rental managers, mom and pops in these markets that manage, you know, 30 to a hundred and they actually do a really good job. Yeah. I mean, they're just like the owner is literally walking the properties every yeah. day, yeah. right? Like not the, not the property owner, but the owner of the management yeah. business yeah. is walking the properties like every day. And you really can't beat that. But the problem with that and why VCs will never partner with them is they can't scale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because all of their systems are built around I can only be a yeah. hundred unit property management company. I cannot be anything else. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah. And so the opportunity I think is for people who really can nail down operations. Yeah. And then and can prove it. And then there's gonna be a lot of money that wants to back them. And yeah. it can come in a variety of ways. That could be somebody says, Hey, here's fifty million dollars, go acquire real estate. Yeah. It could be joint ventures like, hey we'll buy the real estate. You guys manage it at cost and we'll have a joint venture, a joint entity that, that runs that thing. Or we may start our own fund and yeah. say, Hey, investors, we know how to operate property. Yep. Give us a hundred thousand dollars and we'll go out and buy, you know, 10 properties yeah. and we'll have a small fund or whatever and do that ourselves. Um, or the combination of all of those things. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're pretty open and excited about the future. I think institutional money is, is desperate to get in and, uh, there's not a lot of people who can actually deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this has been a, Awesome conversation, man. I, I, you're, you're awesome. You, you know your stuff, and this has been like a, a Thanks, really like enlightening uh, chat. And it's, it's, you know, it's not always that people come on with very like transparent uh, thoughts, good thoughts, deep thoughts, um, and and also sort of a, a, an open posture to, to one sharing, and then also to admitting that hey, we're all still trying to figure this out. So I, I just appreciate your time, totally. man. It's, it's a, it's a real honor to. It's real joy to meet you and hear the story of Ren Joy. Um, if if folks if folks do want to connect and or ask you questions, I'll have your uh, your X handle in the comments below. Mm -hmm. Any I'll have a link to your all's website as well in, in the show notes below. Any anywhere else you'd want folks to reach out or connect with you if they're interested in learning more? I think X or uh, Twitter is perfect. Okay. I was going to make a comment on that by the by the way earlier. I still call it Twitter because I'm always wondering when I'm talking to people, especially those who aren't maybe tech savvy. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm on X.com. They'll be like, oh, what is <laughs> yeah, that? what is he looking exactly. at? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a it's a funny name. Yeah, it's it is. hard to wrap around. So it'll be Twitter for a while, I think. Yeah, Twitter X X Twitter. Um, <laughs> well, Jacob, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been a, it's been a real treat. 
Yeah. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you having me. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.